podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Aaron, it seemed like quite an emotional 100 for you on Friday at the SCG. Um, Can you just tell us how you were feeling out there? Oh, yeah, it was was obviously... uh difficult day for a lot of people in in a lot of different ways and I think people people show their emotion and deal with their emotion slightly different um so yeah it was, it was a pretty special one obviously on the the anniversary of Husey. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast I'm your co-host Menas joining me again this week is Jaleesa Apps who's been a bit snarky this week uh, Jaleesa, I mean, I suggested to you that you prepare a Can't Let It Go for tonight's show and you got, you got all upset at me. Oh, I thought you were going to bring up the TikTok. No, well, we get to that, but tell me what, what – I was just helping you out and giving you a reminder. Well, in the notes, I would like to – no one can see these notes, but in the notes it says in brackets doesn't have to be every week. And last week I was unprepared, I will admit that, and I got shamed – did they, yeah. I don't know if that made it into the podcast because I don't listen when I'm on, but I got shamed. That was actually all the podcast sh- was. It was oh, just, good. Just those few moments. Oh, good. Well, I got shamed. Are you I fluffing got, your lines? I got texts about it. You know, it was just, it, it was, it, it appears that it has to be every week. So yeah. why don't you take that out? And exactly. I've written in the notes. I think you should just thank me for reminding you. That would be the polite oh, thing to do. Please. Oh, well. And we've got a, an, another panellist here. Paul Dennett's turned up again. Hi, Paul. <laughs> G'day, Manners. G'day, Jaleesa. I'm really happy. I thought it was a wonderful week of cricket. Three WBBL games, uh, two one-days. And my love of Steve Smith is starting to get to very, very unhealthy levels. Um, I, I thought those two innings he played are some of the most beautiful sport I've seen in a long, long, long time. Yeah, the the ball was absolutely flying off his bat and was such a, a contrast to the pretty horrible batting he displayed in the IPL. And I agree, it was an amazing week of cricket in Sydney. It felt like the centre of the cricket universe this week. So, in today's podcast, we'll be wrapping up all the news. We've got all the reaction from the two games at the SCG. We've got the wrap-up of the WBBL. And then we're going to bring it home, Jaleesa, with Can't Let It Go. <laughs> Glad you've done your homework. I've Won't leave me hanging way. again. <laughs> but let's get straight into the headlines brought to you by... <clears throat> Piccolo Podcasts. The international men's season kicked off on Friday at the SCG. Australia hosting India. And before the game got underway, it was quite an emotional scene at the SCG. They they had a couple of tributes. The first one was to Dean Jones, uh, a moving tribute on the um, scoreboard there, and then a, a minute silence. And, and then as well, the game fell on the anniversary of Philip Hughes' death six years ago. So um, there were sort of tributes throughout the afternoon. At 4.08, there was a moment's silence. And then at three stages, we had Warner, Finch and Smith, all 63 not out, um, which is the score Philip was on when he tragically was hit. So, yeah, it was quite a moving um, afternoon. And then while we're sort of um, touching on things that are sort of outside the game, there was also a bizarre moment when... And cue political Paul in a second, but um, the Adani protesters <laughs> wandered onto the the Adani protesters want protesters wandered on to the field. It was it was two pitch invaders. They had signs. I think they had masks on, so they were adhering to all the COVID protocols. But the strange thing was that the, the security guards just let them stand out there for what seemed like an eternity before the Australian players were sort of ushering them on and. I think they were checking what the protocol was about removing people because they're obviously breaking uh, social distancing yeah. laws. Uh, so it was very bizarre. They stood out there with the signs for a couple of minutes until they were removed. But, yeah, um, yeah, bizarre afternoon, but it was just an entree to a fantastic Australian batting performance. Yeah, I don't want anyone to protest on the cricket field. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> 
Uh, and it, it could have been dangerous. Like you know, if um, you know, you don't you don't want players to be exposed to that. But I support their protest. That you know, your Darnie mind's a bloody disgrace. I think Ian Chapel agrees with me on that. By the way, I think if you're a pitch invader, you're a loser. Especially if it's not fun. <laughs> like, it, uh, you know, I'll jump on a cause, but come on. Like, just just give it a rest. And also, why are you doing it at 4 p.m.? Like, get the market well, right. They you did wanna, it a lot better time than the barefoot circle. You want to do it at prime time. You want to get, you get your viewing at 7.30, 8 o'clock, you know, around that area. So you, you didn't even do your invasion right. But... Uh, well done to the broadcasters for not showing their signs because it does it discourages people from doing it. I'm not commenting on the cause at all. I'm just saying about the uh, the actual act of invading the pitch. Um, yeah, I think it was good for the broadcasters not to give everyone a, a shot to use. Difficult to write a pack with, but anyway. <laughs> it was probably the, the most intelligent pitch invaders we've had for a while. Usually it's a couple of drunk blokes running on without their kits on. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that was the sort of sideshow to what was just a magnificent Australian batting performance. They made six for 374 Batting first, David Warner made 69, Aaron Finch 114 and Steve Smith 105. Absolute masterpiece. And uh, Glenn Maxwell came in for a cameo, 45 of just 19 deliveries. A truly breathtaking batting performance um, on Friday afternoon. And, yeah, I just think it was um, fantastic for them to come out of two weeks of, or most of them two weeks of quarantine and perform like that was incredible. Yeah, and even though Warner and Finch had played really well to begin with, I was feeling a little bit flat. It just felt like, oh, it was another one, Zane's international, lots of fours. And then Smith just elevated it, and suddenly I felt right back into the groove of watching one day's cricket. Um, just the, the way that he plays, the, that you know, he can play that uh, extra cover drive, next ball he can flick one past fine leg that is so fine that even if there's a fine leg, he's middled it, it's going for four, then he can flick one through the slips. He's just incredible the way that he plays. And for all the talk of people going on about, oh, you know, his mannerisms and everything else, I couldn't care less about that. He's just, he's pure batting. As I said at the start, it just gets better and better. And, um, you know, my, my favourite ever players to watch have been Steve Waugh, Gilchrist and Mark Waugh, but Smith's right up there now, I think, with them. I like his mannerisms. I think it adds a little bit of character, but I think you can, it's amazing how quickly you can tell when Steve Smith is just going to have a day you he just settles in so quickly and you go right oh and I feel like India could feel it too they just went oh here we go again oh he just timed the ball so well some of those those shots that he plays there's just the, the timing is it's like nothing I've seen I, I do think that sides need to crowd him earlier on they give him give him too many easy singles early mm. on and you're, you're gone I mean England did that in the ashes in 2019 and he just milked them until he was ready to go and then he went all the batters who made milestones, Finch, Smith, even Warner, they all looked to the heavens when they they made their milestones uh, in tribute to Philip Hughes. Aaron Finch was a very good friend of Philip Hughes. He was a pallbearer at his funeral. So, yeah, it really did have that feeling running through the afternoon. His presence was felt. Philip's presence was certainly felt. Now, I wasn't sure about this one um, before it it happened, but now that Glenn Maxwell is settled into the floating role at number seven, and he came in a bit earlier in this game, I think this is an absolute masterstroke by Justin Langer. Maxwell, for years, has frustrated floating around the order. Um, they tried him at number four for to, you know, for a few years, and he just never had enough consistency. But Langer, he sort of unlocked the Maxwell code, and we're now really getting the best of him. I just think this is a, a tactical uh, masterstroke by Langer. I think uh, Finch as well seems to have a lot to do with that because he explained that that was going to be his role uh, quite early on, I think, last year. Oh, no, just 2020's rolled on. Who knows when it was? But he uh, he explained that that was going to be his role. So it's obviously been a very decisive step. Man, yeah, he's doing very well. And it's it's going to sound a bit stupid that I'm going to be critical of a team that got 389 in game two. But he only got faced 29 balls. Um, when you've got someone of that talent, he should be given an opportunity to face more balls than 29, in, in my opinion. I'd still love to see him open, open up, play the way that he's playing. With only two men back, he gets a tiny bit of luck, then, God, Australia could score anything. But, look, yeah, it's, it's, as I said, it does sound a bit silly criticising them when they got 389. 
Maxwell just never could do it consistently at the top of the mm. order. That was the problem. He was given the opportunities, not opening but at four, and he couldn't lock it down. So I think maybe this is just... But he's batted at five in the last two games, effectively. Yeah, he? but that was because of the, the big partnership. The four, well, five? Well, I think their plan is, well, I think their plan is to sort of save him for the last 20 overs mm. Um, mm. whenever that sort of lands. Um, and I just think it's the best way for him to play. He can just go out there and tonk it. So Australia made 374 in the first game. Can I just add to that, sorry, that he has come in to, not to take away anything from what he's doing, but he has come in where the game has been going very well. So it would be interesting to see with a little bit more pressure... Well, Does that role suit him three games well? ago, you stayed up all night and watched him and Carey bat Australia to victory against England. True. So True. he can do it. Uh, India made eight for 308 in reply. Josh Hazelwood took three for 55. Adam Zampa, four for 54. At about, because mm, I finished so late, but I reckon at about 10 p.m. I started getting messages from Jaleesa, who was blowing up that the Indians had given up early. Well, what was going on on your couch that night, Jaleesa? Okay, well... What happened to India? And I'd really like to ask India this because it just felt like after Coley got out, there was just this distinct shift of we can't win this game, so let's bat out the overs. And people were blowing up, including Warney, he was very angry, that the game was running late. And I feel like nobody would have cared if it was a decent contest, but it was just the fact that you could just see them knocking and just batting out the overs. That is so boring what have you got to lose if when the game's gone you're not going to win by doing that just to have a crack I agree but I suppose seeing it from Coley's point of view if there was an instruction given that there were two things that he could gain by playing it this way one when you've got 1.4 billion people who are ready to jump on your back if you're doing badly I'd much rather lose by what do they end up losing by 60 odd rather than 100 if they'd slogged and got all out people who just read the scores the thrashing's even worse plus to give um, some of the lower order a bit of a, a bit of a bat, and I just think he's the ultimate pragmatist and competitor. He's just saying, I'd rather lose by a, a lot less than a lot, and realistically, at that point, they had no chance of winning. I agree with you, though, Jaleesa. They should have just gone out, slogged, slogged, got out. It would have been far better, a far better spectacle. But I think that's maybe why he did it. I think it just frustrated everybody. But yeah, you're probably right. And the, and the other thing is as well is this is a long tour for India. So the players want time in the mm. middle and, and rather than going out and slogging and getting out, if, if these players can work into the conditions and work into the tour, then maybe they'll see the benefits sort of later on. What was more frustrating was the slow over rates. I mean, the game finished at 11.09pm, just started at 2.40 and just never, never stopped. And I, uh, I'll admit this, I actually left early. I left at about 10.30. I was like, I can't stay till the end. This is boring. And I could do this Zoom press conference from home. But the, the game finished in silence because there's a curfew at 11 o'clock. So the PA was shut off at the SCG and uh, we just waited for it to finish. Well, if that's not a concern to the ICC, I mean, Menas, you would stay up till 5am to watch um, third division cricket from Madagascar. The fact that you've left the ground early... That, that should be a clarion call to them to say, we have to do something about this. I'm sick of it. Uh, they could fix overrates in a thousand different ways. They just don't want to. Um, it would be so easy. You could make any number of different things. My always, the one I always wanted was to, instead of having penalties for slow overrates, give them bonuses for fast overrates. All of a sudden, they'd get the whole game done in about half an hour. Um, if they got cash bonuses for every over, they bowled faster than they needed to. But I, I sometimes get into the habit of, pausing it, getting a coffee, and then watching it, fast-forwarding between the balls, coming back to live. You Sometimes I'm fast-forwarding and fast-forwarding and they haven't yeah. bowled the ball, they haven't bowled the ball, and thinking, pity the poor buggers there watching yeah. and waiting and waiting and waiting who've paid significant money. Just fix it. Fines, jail terms, something. It would be easily done. <laughs> jail terms. The, the gallows. The slow over. <laughs> You could do it at half in the innings break. Yeah. Here he is. He bowled his overs at a snail's pace. We all cheer. Um, I think the slow over rate is exacerbated, though, by how boring the game got. Because I don't know that everyone would be blowing up if it was interesting to the very last ball. I know, but it was either way, it was slow, slow cricket. I think that's true. There's nothing so boring as a one day game that is meandering. To its end. The but last hour was just dull. The payoff is, I suppose, and this is true for, for cricket, if you get a, a bad test match, it can be five of the worst days of your life. 
But if you get a good one, it can be five of the very best days of your life in a way that a basketball game, game can't. A bad basketball game's over quick. A good basketball game's over quick. Cricket, slow, can be great, can be absolutely terrible. <laughs> but what's the solution, okay? Because I've got a few points about this. If you, you have an in-game solution, and say so you, you penalise one team with runs or wickets or however you do it, uh, is it affecting the spectacle if you're someone that's paid your, your hard-earned cash to go and see it and, um, you know, Australia makes 374 and then because India were a few overs behind, they get, you know, 30 runs tacked on. So all of a sudden India are chasing 400. You're thinking, well, that's ruined the game. Or do you take another sort of approach and think, okay, well, we don't want to ruin today's game, but look... If you do this, then Cole is going to be fined and suspended so we won't get him in the next game. You're sort of affecting the, that star power. You need to do something that doesn't uh, hurt the viewer because it's not the viewer's fault. So I think just make the fines astronomical. 60% of your match fee. Well, that's not even enough, though, because I don't think many of these players really care about their match fees, especially the Indians. 90% of your match fee. Okay. No, it needs to be like... <laughs> 10,000% of your match fee. Yeah. Actually, you lose. Well, you lose money. What is for, a, I mean, what is the match Just embarrass them. A nudie run around the <laughs> pitch or something. No, but seriously, <laughs> yeah. what they need to do is put something in that is runs and maybe one game, one time, what you said will happen, but it'll never happen again because the idea yeah, is true. for it to be such a significant deterrent. The other thing that is slightly annoying is that they don't disclose what the um, concessions are. So at any given time, you say, oh, they're half an hour behind where they need to be, yet it turns out that they've given them four minutes credit for this and two minutes credit for this, and that, that's fine if that credit is deserved. But maybe they need to almost have a, a running tally as if to say they are two overs behind after the concessions have been taken into account. So as things stand, 10 runs are going to be added to the opposition, and that's on the big screen. You do something like that to adjust their behaviour, it would happen very, very quickly. In tennis, they have that shot clock where if you take more than whatever it is, 20 two seconds to serve, you get a point violation because they were back in the 80s, players were taking far too long. Now, you know, there's a, the occasional point violation and that's it. They don't Here muck we around. Have, what, we're 10 minutes in, we've got tennis. All right. Matters, other sports exist. No, no, I'm not no. making that point to, um, no, 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 no. To, to, to troll you. You know, sometimes, most of the times we bring up other sports, it is to <laughs> troll you, but that was actually genuine. Good. One of the other talking points from the, the first Fox International of the, the season was the commentary. As usual, Mark Wall got hammered. He seems to get hammered sort of every start to every season. And, <laughs> what uh, was he getting hammered for? I don't know. Everyone's just like hammering him on Twitter for his commentary. And Shane Warren copped a bit of stick because he was getting a bit loose by yeah. you know 11 p.m. on a Friday night. Yeah, it, Shane Warren was the only thing keeping me awake. <laughs> like he had to get lo- – that's his job. He knows what he's doing. He's keeping everyone entertained because, he, like, you know, he was de- deviating quite a lot from the game. But the game was boring. So he had to. <laughs> He was desperate to get out of there by the end. <laughs> he was. The, the last segment, he was. he's already sort of changed and ready to go. He was asking when the lights were getting turned off. <laughs> and uh, I guess I want to just touch on um, the fact that it was the first game of the SCG under the COVID protocols. And there were a few noticeable differences. Obviously, the numbers are restricted that they can let in. So they had 17,000 to both games. But th- th- that's, I thought the restriction was to 25,000. I think it's complicated because the members area and stuff. So as the members well. didn't turn up. I think there's some restrictions on that as well. They, I know on Sunday it was so hot they clearly people didn't show up because it was forty degrees. That annoys me. If you buy a ticket and you don't show up, that really annoys me. Yeah, but you, if you've got a good excuse, okay. But if you're just a bit hot. Oh, there's the girl from Boria, not scared of a bit of 38 degree heat. No, I uh, faint in the heat all the time. I get back up. The crowd was good. So the differences were you weren't really allowed to hang around as you normally see at the cricket. So, you know, there's normally people out the back um, playing cricket and blokes on the piss not watching the game. And there was none of that. It was basically you had to stay in your seat and watch. And there was COVID marshals around to patrol that. So, you know, if you did stand up and at the back and watch the cricket, they'd be over pretty quickly and tell you to go back to your seat. And, and I think it's really good. I'm, it's I'm a dream, th- isn't it? You know? Yeah, I think they should keep this post-COVID and they can just change into like cricket marshals and, no. you know, if you're not watching your cricket, you know get out. Do. It's not school. You should have to take a scorebook in and score as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a test at there's the end. There's a test at the end. Yeah, you, you can't leave. The bowling doesn't match the batting. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Bowler's name. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it did feel a bit different in that sense. Um, there, there was a sort of a different atmosphere because normally the back of the stadiums are, are buzzing and uh, it but didn't have any of that. But it was still a good atmosphere. It there. felt like that through the TV, that it was a pretty decent atmosphere. Yeah, yeah it did. And, and it felt nice notice. to be there with such a big crowd and all around the world, sports being played in front of empty stadiums, yeah. except here. Magnificent. I mean, New Zealand as well, but um, mm. we've done really, really well. But uh, one thing to, to continue the happy theme, I just love the, the vibe of the matches, the, 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 the niceness of the players to each other. Um, Finch and Coley look like great mates. Yeah, now. but I, th- there's no lessening in the competitiveness. Mm. They are going at it hard, but often in India-Australia series in the past, there's been that real unpleasantness. I just think it's just so lovely the way that they've been so friendly to each other. And and I don't say that to be... Um, no, I agree. It's I been just think it's been watch. really nice. And, like, you know, Warner doing up someone's shoelaces. The other, when um, Finch got hit and then um, uh, Kale Rahul came around and kind of um, sort of reached towards his stomach and Finch threw a couple Poked, of, yeah. couple of um, fake punches. And they're all laughing. And it was just... It was human. It was that was a, the, the right reaction. But you know that the next ball, they're still going to be absolutely giving it. And uh, for all those people, who say, oh, sledging's part of the game, and you've got to be no. This is the way it should be played. And maybe there'll be a flare up, and it'll all change. But I think that Finch and Coley deserve tremendous credit for the sp- the spirit in which the games have been played. Uh, Coley, in particular, because you know they've been on the losing side twice, hasn't um, done anything but show great um, niceness. Maybe there's a bit of. Um, uh, what you might call it, shared um, what's the kindred spirits because they've all, all gone through the quarantine and the lockdown, the bubble. They can sort of, we know what you're, we each know what the others are going through and it's brought them closer together in addition to obviously playing in the IPL. I like the, the niceties for the white ball. <laughs> when it comes to the tests, I want fire. And I hope they fire up a little oh, bit the, more. But the fire on the field will be there. Uh, I just like a little bit of sting in the test. I like a little bit of animosity. And I thought you saw a slight hint of that today with the Indian cricket team saying that they're happy Warner's injured and they hope that he's injured for a while. Do they say that? I didn't say that. Yeah. I can, <laughs> here, I'll actually show it to you because... Um, I mean, we don't know how, how uh, bad his injury is, but, um, yeah... Um, It'd be nice if he if he gets injured for a long time. I mean, I wouldn't wish that for any any cricketer, but um, you know, he's 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 one of their main batsmen. So, yeah, you know, he's injured for a long time would 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 be good for our team. That was fine. He didn't say anything. He, he, uh, he said he said I hope he's injured because for they a want long to win. No, no, I've got nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> I just wonder is that the slight little bit of fire coming? No, up? no. He said it with a smile on his face. He did say it with a little bit of a smirk, and I'm not angry about it. A few people were quite angry about it and fired up about it. I'm not angry about it, but I wonder if now then heading into the test, we'll start and see a little bit more fire. I don't mind the odd flare up. What I don't like is the sort of the. Uh, let's stand in the slips and have a conversation deliberately so that he can hear it and we can upset him that way. I just find that unedifying. If, if someone bowls you a bounce and it cracks you on the head and you sort of get a bit angry for a couple of seconds, that's human, and then it, it calms down. It's the sort of mind games that, that drive me mental. I like the chaos. You're such a gentleman, Paul. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, let's move on to game two. Menasvaya just out here bogging around. What was that? Let's go on to game two. It was the second game in a row that Steve Smith scored a century of 62 balls. That's the headline. Uh, you, you don't see a player score 100 off 62 balls once, let alone twice in two days. An incredible feat. But I was thrilled that um, Moses Enriquez came in for the injured Marcus Stoinis. So great to see Moses back in the, the green and gold. And boy, he took an absolutely stunning catch to dismiss Coley. Match, but... uh, match changing. I mean, they, yeah, probably, they probably weren't going to win at that point. But if, you, uh, if you'd had money on Australia at that point, you'd be starting to get a bit nervous. You would have been very happy when, it, on, and took that, when Enriquez took that and catch. And he bowled well as well. One yes. for 34 off seven overs. So. I long have thought he's been very overlooked and it was really nice to see him uh, go well. Yeah, I was thrilled. And uh, Australia, well, they bettered their score from Friday night. They made a lazy four for 389. David Warner, 83. Finch, 60. Smith, 104. Marna, 70. And Maxwell, 63 not out off 29 deliveries. Anything else stood out to you two about that second victory for Australia? So they won the series uh, 2-0, a very important series. Just that 
Australia's now been playing one-day internationals for 50 years, and in that entire time, Steve Smith's centuries were the third and fourth, well, the equal third fastest centuries in that his, in that history for an Australian. And for a player who is not renowned for being an absolutely massive hitter, to score twin centuries both off 62 balls, I mean, 20 years ago that would have sounded fraudulent um, and impossible. So, yeah, I just... I could talk about it all night, but uh, God, I love watching him back. I liked seeing him get really competitive when he was trying to to reach it in the the sixty balls, um, and then Paul Manus fell over and kind but of. No, I, I think that was Water. You just invented that competition that the, 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 the to, to try to beat sixty two balls from the night before. Well, oh, I did hear Manus say today in a press conference no, that he, Smith was annoyed yeah, and said he in was, the dressing yeah. room. As a joke, you kind of cost me the record. And you could see, you could see him was just upping the upping the runs. But that's how but there I wasn't a record. That's no how, record. No, but that's how Smith's brain works. Yeah, so exactly. I scored it on Friday off sixty two. I'm going to exactly. better it today. That's why yeah. he's you know one of the best batsmen in history, and we've achieved very little. Because oh well, the yeah. way he got out when he got out, like the way the game one he walked off as though he got a duck. I yeah. love that. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Fully. But actually, one of the ones that I like most on game one was he hit a sumptuous extra cover drive. Off, I think it was Chahal. Beautiful shot. Two bounces, four. And they, they cut to him and he's going, get up! As if to say, <laughs> he should hit the six. He's like fuming at himself. It was yeah. like the shot that you dream about. <laughs> Interesting that they've uh, rested Pat Cummins for these next 2020s. Uh, yeah, he's, he's missing the rest of the white ball stuff. Yeah, uh, I think that's great news for Pat Cummins. He's obviously had a pretty heavy load and a very smart move heading into the Tess, but I, I actually think Pat didn't look quite himself in really? these last two games. Not that he bowled badly, but he has a very easygoing demeanour and he never gets too stressed. But it did look to me, especially in the second game, that there's just a bit more weight on his shoulders than normal. And it could just be outside stuff from cricket, you know, having you know, not been at home for months and months. But, yeah, I felt like this is a good time for him to have a break and freshen up mentally. I think it's a good time to have a break, but it did what made me wonder, well, how seriously do we take 2020? Yes. Good yeah. point. Like I was like, well, you know, we really need him in there at the moment if we're serious about winning 2020s, but especially with Stark not performing as well as probably he would have liked in the last two ODIs. So it did make me think, uh, we don't I, I don't think it's a reflection on the 2020s. I just think it's more a reflection on how important the test series in test series is, and you wouldn't want Cummins to run out of gas, you know, before the fourth test. So you'd rather rest him now. I also think it'll be good to have Stark uh, bowling with a lot of pressure without Cummins there because he needs to get back into a bit of a rhythm. 18 overs, one for 147, going 8.2 runs per over in the first two games. He did have a bit of bad luck. He had a um, that. Wicket taken off a no ball. He had one catch that was uh, not hand, not to hand. A few inside edges that went down to fine leg. But he just didn't seem to have the radar right. Yeah, he just, I don't think he's fully in rhythm yet. But um, he's because his early season shield click. form was was reasonable. He averaged twenty eight. It wasn't too bad. India's bowling is so disappointing. Former in particular, it they just haven't. I hope they pick up before the tests. Otherwise, we could be in for a very long test series. Bumrah has lost some of his aura to yeah. me. I mean, I'm just thinking. Um, you know, it's not like I was having nightmares about him, but it was always at the back of my mind <laughs> going about my life that Boomer existed and that he was going to, he was going to cause difficulties. I still respect him. Just a little bit of that. Not fear. quite as much. I think I could start to score off him now, maybe. <laughs> now, there was a big loss, though, on Sunday's game, and it was David Warner. He tumbled over at mid-on, uh, making a save, and has injured his groin. All the reports are that he will not be fit for the first test. And if he's not fit for the first test, you have to say he'd be in doubt for the second. These sort of groin, I think the adductor, abductor injury can take, um, is that right? Adductor injury? If there's adductor and there's abductor. Oh, well, well, with the second one, you go to really, jail. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those Don't go two. abducting anyone. <laughs> so anyway, David Warner's groin is in all sorts. So officially out for the white ball stuff. So who do you think they will open with? for David Warner for the remainder of this sort of white ball series. Darcy Short's been brought in the squad, but there's a few options. What, what do you think? What will they do? Well, first, I just wanted to say how sad I am about Warner. I mean, it, apart from anything else, cricket needs him. He's, he's so exciting when he mm. opens the batting that um, I think that he's still possibly the number one draw card in terms of people turn on the TV and if Warner's batting, they're more likely to stay watching. Than, uh, Maxwell aside, but in talking about the Red Bull stuff, it's just such a pity. Um, I agree. When I and thought he looked it, in such good form. This for a millisecond, yeah. I thought it wasn't him as well. When it was, I was thinking, oh, is it someone else? I was hoping it was someone else. And, uh, 
Oh, who were you hoping? There's the lead. Well, no. I, it, who were you hoping? Finch and Warner with the moustache, Finch's moustache, they sometimes look a tiny bit alike. Oh, oh, death riding Finchy. Okay. You just like 10 minutes ago, you're complimenting him now. He's one of my favourite cricketers, but he's not in the wow. test side. Listen to the podcast. So, you know. Early episodes of this podcast, 2015 World Cup. No, no, yeah. I, I, I've, You're I've over it now. I've finally forgiven him for that. Him. Five, yes, finally. A five-year rule. A five-year rule for slow, pointless innings in 50 over World Cup semifinals. Jeez, that took a while. You hold grudges. <laughs> Maybe more than me. If he gives, but he doesn't. Okay, you haven't answered the question. So who's going to open for Warner? Well, uh, even Could Marnus, it be Marnus, Wade? Uh, they could bring in uh, Short to the top of the order. Who, Maxwell, Chalisa, Maxwell, Maxwell. If you were the... Um, just ignore. If you were the <laughs> chief selector, yes. if you you and JL are sitting around in Monica Oval, mm, who are you sending out with um, Finchy? I'm sending out Darcy Short. Wow. So from out of the squad to in the 11. Well, because I think that you don't want to mess with the order too much. And so I think where Maxwell, what Maxwell is doing at the moment is working. Let's not move him because, as you've said before, it. it Hasn't mm, worked yep. in the past. And also, I'm the only one considering it, so <laughs> must be a bad idea. Uh, and Manus, I just don't think I don't think he's an opener. I just don't. But yep. I, I'm happy to give Darcy Short a crack. Right, Paul Mitchell Stark, of course. Okay, no, 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 Mitchell I'm serious. Stark. I'm yeah, serious. I know you Do you are. know Nathan Lyon used to open in Canberra before he was a bowler? So Stark didn't get a bat in either game one or game two. If he opened. He would, and you just said to him at every ball for six, he would go out there and he would probably hit two or three sixes and then hit one straight up in the air. I'm saying it's a pity when you've got a player of his uh, bludgeoning power to not get a bat. I'm saying not necessarily open, but throw him in at the the fall wow. of a couple of wickets at some point. Um, so why not? Not bringing Lion in. <laughs> so, you see, he asked to come in. He yeah, asked he did. Finch. He asked Finch. He was like, didn't understand the question or just blocked him. And well, just... <laughs> well, Finch, it was a bit awkward because he goes, uh, Finchy, uh, Nathan here, just wondering if you need an extra spinner. And he was like, no, Maxie's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that just really, really I think Finch drunk? didn't realise it was a sort of a joking question until he answered it seriously. Then he thought, oh. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're the same. I think he was had a million things going on in his mind, and he actually answered quite honestly, like, no, we don't want you. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, okay, so if anyone's still listening after those outrageous suggestions. Well, who would you open with? Okay, well, the, the spare... You bring Joe Burns in. No, the spare batter <laughs> that is in the squad, Matthew Wade. Oh, your other love affair. Wade just comes in, okay. uh, left-right combination. He opens for the Hurricanes. Yeah, he opens for Tasmania and white ball stuff. And what I don't want them to do is shuffle the order around. I, that's the, I'm the same. Everyone's starting to sort of fit nicely yeah. in their roles now. And I think it would be a shame to just chuck that out and, and upset the balance. So, yeah, I'd love to see Wade get a crack there for the rest of the white yeah, ball stuff. Yeah, I'd be stuff. happy with that as well. Can we talk about the test open? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the test? Pekofsky and Burns, it's easy. They're in the squad. So. <clears throat> Here we Ladies go. and gentlemen, <laughs> I have a solution. Okay. Left-handed batsman coming second on Sheffield Shield run scoring ladder. I present to you S. Marsh. You're joking, aren't you? No, I'm you not are, joking. I'm actually joking. not joking. You're telling and porcupines. No, I'm not telling porcupines. Porcupines or porcupines? I call them porcupines. <laughs> well, um, that's I'm not, the Burra sense of humor. I'm not telling porcupines because this is the thing. I don't think Burns is... He's in the squad. No, but you can't just do that. And I think Pekofsky, I, I've been a firm believer of Pekofsky needs to open. He's informed this is his time. If there's any time for him to succeed, it is now. But he needs an experience at the other end. And I thought he would have been so perfect to debut with David Warner. Someone pumping like LSD into this room because <laughs> a second ago, Paul Dan is talking about Stark opening in one day cricket. Now Jaleesa is talking about bringing back I, the most I, frustrating cricketer troll in me. Australian history. Troll me. No, I, I think he needs experience at the other end and – if you're looking for someone, bad experience. If you're so looking Sean, what's for like someone, failing no, regularly? actually, his record against India isn't bad. And also, if you're looking at the form at the moment, he is second. He is after Pekovsky. There's your two openers. You've got a left hander. There, there he is. Well, he, he's even given up on a test recall. So good, you're batting for him. Well, what I'd do is I'd just say, who do who are the best six batsmen at the moment? And I think that Pekovsky is definitely one of those. I don't think that Burns is, um, but I'm not disappointed about the fact that almost inevitably he will get uh, the job. And 
as Menes has pointed out, uh, he was very unlucky to be admitted from the Ashes squad. They shouldn't have admitted him from the Ashes squad. Uh, so I can't be begrudge him a bit of um, good luck this time. So good luck to him. But if it was up to me, I'd be um, opening with Labashain. I'd be bringing Green into the side and going that way. And if you had Labashain and Pekovsky opening and Smith at three, Australia may well be. It stumps on day two, one for 900. You've just said pick the best batsman. Mm. What's wrong with our smash? At He's the not in the best um, batsman. Oh, look. You oh. said pick the best batsman at the moment. He is the second best batsman at the moment. No, and when I say pick the best batsman at the moment, I don't mean pick those who have the highest average in the last in the the three or four shield games. Yes, he has done well in the shield. But that's so what far. we're doing with Pukowski. No, but his overall record, he has an average um, of into the fifties. Whereas Sean Marsh's overall record in Test matches, he had an average of thirty four, I think. Which and he's 37, Pukowski's oh, like 21. Oh, he's not a long-term solution. He's yeah. not a long-term solution, yeah. but we have the the solution. It, we, we need to fill plug holes at the moment. Yeah. So I, I'm dead serious. If we were on Zoom right now, I'd mute you, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, look, I know that people are not a fan of S. Marsh or any Marshes. But I, no, I'm deadly serious. And well, come at me, Twitter. We come at you right in here, <laughs> co-host, with that ri- ri- ridiculous suggestion. Oh God! I go, if it happens, oh, <laughs> <laughs> now no idea. I guess uh, before we move on from these one days, last couple of points. Um, the games had record-breaking viewing figures on uh, Fox Cricket, uh, their third highest ever sort of sporting event um, behind two rugby games, and their highest ever rated cricket matches. So. I mean, that's an incredible achievement, but I did notice that the voices this year were louder than the last two about the fact that the white ball stuff is behind a paywall. But look at the, I mean, the, the figures, second innings, 440,000, first innings, 385,000. Back in the Channel 9 days, those figures would be um, well above a million. No, and, I agree, yeah, and the, the women's big bash had similar figures on free to air the night before. So the thing is, this could have been a, a moment to really foist cricket onto the centre stage with Coley, with the um, the, the uh, excitement at crowds coming back after COVID. And aside from both games ending a little bit poorly, they're both very good games for, you know, 80 to 90% of them. And I was at breakfast with my brother-in-law on Saturday and he said to me, oh, was there a game of cricket on last night? And I mm. said, yeah. And, that's, there'd be, and um, my cousin, who doesn't have pay TV, who just loves international cricket, was just saying how angry he was that he couldn't watch it. Up and down the country, the, the penetration that the cricket should have had was vastly diluted. And although, the, although these ratings are wonderful, I just look at that and think, what might have been? I agree with you that men is that the everyone seemed a lot more outraged this year than previously. They seemed to think this was the first year that it was behind the payroll wall, and I guess maybe because there's a sense that uh, we're India and Australia are playing, it should be on free to air. Why isn't it on free to air? So yeah, probably it's a little bit to do with our opponents. But I think as well to do with the the timing, the fact that they're starting the summer with white ball yeah. stuff and uh, the, the the broader COVID situation. People are starved of entertainment. They're desperate to see high quality sport, and uh, unless you've got a subscription, you can't. So many people. I was. Like the same as Paul, so many people said to me, oh, is there cricket on at the moment? Who, When I was saying, you know, what I was doing at work or whatever, so many people in the newsroom when I was sitting there writing the cricket packages came up and said, what cricket's on? And I just, it blew my mind, but it's such a bad, bad sign for cricket. It's just a pity. I mean, maybe they could have, maybe it's naive, but if, if Seven and Fox had done a deal to, to let them show the one-dayers or something and to sort of um, get... The, the benefits of cross-promotion, every ad say, if you want to watch the T20s, you've got to subscribe to Foxtel or something. But some way of getting it out there to the general public would have been great. All right. Uh, any more points you two want to make on those two one-days, the third one being played at Monica Oval this week, uh, before we move on? The only point that I would like to make is something has got to do – someone's got to make these more pitches more exciting. It's starting just to turn to – you know, we've been saying it for a while now, but it's just about as – we get constantly, and we, we really need to start addressing it. I, I don't disagree, but I do say I'd much rather this than those um, slow pitches where the, uh, the the batters can't play fluently. At least at this one, when you got value for your shots. And so um, I, I'd much rather a, a high-scoring game than a, than a, the, a low-scoring game is fine if it's moving about and it's genuinely difficult. But if it's just there's no pace in the wicket, then, then it would suck. I actually didn't mind the pitch that much. 
Yeah, I I agree with you more in the longer form of the game. You need a better balance between bat mm. and ball. But I think stuff the ball is in white ball cricket. Like, who cares? Like, I want sixes, I want fours, I want hundreds. I mean, I loved those two bat innings by Australia, getting close to 400. It was just ex- exhilarating. Can I tell my – this is an opportune time to talk about my idea where T20 cricket will evolve to. Okay, go on. That's going to have just a cannon in the middle. Are you going to say T10? Oh, here we go. Just a cannon. Just a cannon in the, cannon in the middle to, to to fire out 126s into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Both sides get 720, and then you have a super over. All right, let's move on to the conclusion of the WBBL. And in the last week, we've had two semi-finals and the final. In the first semi-final, the Melbourne Stars defeated the Perth Scorchers by seven wickets. That was a fairly convincing win for the Stars, and they marched into the final. Uh, And the the viewing figures for that game were a massive 303,000 viewers watched that first semi-final which is a 30% increase on last year's average semi-final audience. So sort of backs up a point. That's not far behind the one day. And then in the second semi-final, which was an absolute thriller, the Sydney Thunder defeated the Brisbane Heat in stunning circumstances. The Thunder made six for 143. And then chasing, the Brisbane Heat were cruising. They were just four for 119. The run rate was in control. Looked like they were just going to cruise into the final and have a chance at winning three WBBL titles in a row. And then the Thunder took six for 12 to eliminate the Heat, who were bowled out for 131. It all happened so quickly. 18-year-old Hannah Darlington took three for 19. And, you know, I was at the ground. It was in North Sydney. It was a beautiful night. And I was surrounded by these mad Thunder fans. And I have to say, very much unlike my nature, I started to sort of support the thunder, um, which goes against everything that's sort of inside me. But I actually realised I have a more of a stigma, stigma about the men's thunder side. I don't like them, but for some reason the, the, the women's thunder side is a lot more appealing. They just seem a lot nicer. The heat crashed out, six for 12, wickets galore, some stunning stuff. And, you know, surrounded by these people and this young woman next to me was jumping up and down at every wicket, a mad Thunder fan. And and then at the end of this game, this lady turned to me and she said to me, my God, that was just the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. Oh, I love and, that. And it was just, I, I was just, warmed my heart. So that was it. The Thunder marched into the final and we got the matchup, the Stars v... The Thunder, so the skipper of the Australian side, Meg Lanning, the, the vice-captain of the Australian side, uh, Rachel Haynes, and uh, the vice-captain came up trumps. It was an absolute disastrous captaincy performance by Meg Lanning. And I guess we'll start right at the beginning, the flip of the coin. Meg Lanning has won the toss and always bowled first and backed her team to chase. And then for some reason in a final... She decided to go the opposite. She won the toss and elected to bat first. And the Thunder came out and bowled terrifically and reduced the stars for nine for 86. Big mistake by Lanning to um, bat first, Jaleesa. Big mistake. And also, if you'd had a, if you'd watched the Thunder game the, to get into that final, I wouldn't have been going up against them bowling first. But, yeah, it was a really costly, costly mistake. I think the stars would be so disappointed given how they performed during the series to have not come away champion. Oh, Lanning was so filthy at the end of the game. Yeah, and really... She was so upset. Uh, I think she feels like she cost them the game because my theory is, um, and I heard Trent Woodhill, the coach, talking about the fact that because it was a final, they thought, let's get runs on the board and put pressure on the young Thunder side. But I actually think that's a loser's mentality because... Mm. They say in big games, you've got to back yourself. The Stars play their best cricket chasing. So you don't change tactics in a final. You back yourself. You back your skills. And I think Lanning afterwards knew it. And it was a a tale of two captains because Rachel Haynes, she walked out onto the field with that young side and just took control of them. I mean, you could see it from the sidelines. She was... She knew what was going on out there with the ball. She was controlling every ball. Oh, it was just a tremendous performance. I think that 2020 is different to other forms of cricket too, where I always think your preference should be to chase. And a lot of captains do that. So, um, yeah, and look, the, the bowling conditions were good. Did you see much of it, Paul? Yeah, I was watching um, and at some point I, I gave them a chance. Uh, when they, they were down they were three, for, three for 30 in, in the chase. It's very hard and it, 
I don't want to criticise Lanning in, in for, for not having the field up more, but it's the sort of thing where you almost need to say, we need to bring nine, nine or not seven or eight into the circle and just bank on getting a few dot balls and squeezing out a wicket. We're almost certainly going to lose, and we probably lose more quickly if we do it this way. But, I mean, every international captain does that. They don't kind of um, go for broke like that and give themselves a chance. So the Sydney Thunder won their second Women's Big Bash League title to go with uh, winning WBBL 01. Shabnam Ismail was player of the match. Sammy Joe Johnson bowled terrifically. And after the game, I have to say, it was beautiful scenes at North Sydney Oval. I mean, you, you don't realise, Julissa, how young most of these Thunder players are. They're 16, 17, 18-year-old uh, girls. Um, and and the beautiful scenes, they were so happy, that sort of unbridled youthful enthusiasm. And, and their, their families, you know, they couldn't hug their families, but they were on the other side of the fence. It was it was really touching stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, funny you talk about before the lady turning to you saying that that was the best thing that she's seen. I heard another story um, a couple of months ago that um, – a friend of a friend bought his kid who's called Phoebe up to watch Phoebe Litchfield and she was just so excited that she was <laughs> watching someone with the same name play cricket. And it's just those little stories like that that just really warm your heart. Yeah, it was a brilliant night. I have to say I love the WBBL this year. Just contrasting that though, at the, at the back of the North, of North Sydney Oval were the Stars players and, and they were seeing their families but they were all in tears, oh. desperately disappointed. And I think it's... We shouldn't forget the sacrifices they've made. And yeah. I know people are in tough situations, but for a lot of these young people being in a bubble, completely separated mm. from all their support mm. networks, I mean, you can't go home to your mum, your dad, your partner. You know, it has been very tough on some of them. So the Stars, obviously, um, there was that combined with the disappointment of the biggest game of their lives and fluffing their lines. So moving scenes and uh, contrasting scenes, and, but really beautiful competition. And I think they did so well because the standard of the competition did improve slightly from last year. Yes. And and when you consider that a lot of these players haven't had the ability to train much in the off-season, they have to be commended. And when is it going to happen that they the, the networks realise that these games can um, stand on their own two feet on the primary channel? And the Channel 9 put the, the final of the World Cup onto Gem and Channel 7 had the final of this on 7 Mate with Frozen on Channel 7. I think I heard Kelly Underwood on Offsider saying, like, of, of all the things, like, there's a fair bit of crossover there that Frozen appeals to kind of um, six, seven, eight-year-olds that, that he, you should be wanting them to be watching the, watching the women's cricket. It looks like it rated really well, but had it been on Channel 7, then that, you could add a, probably a couple of hundred thousand to, to the overall ratings, given that some people just have it on one of the main main networks and don't switch it off. Oh, I think that it could easily have justified being on, on a primary network and I think it's time that the networks start to, to do that. Uh, I never care about that at all. I just think if your sport's good enough and I think that we're at the point where WBBL is good enough, it'll stand up on any channel. I would have a problem with it if not everyone had access to those secondary channels. But you've got access to the secondary channels. I get annoyed more about the time slot. So some of these games were like there's a Wednesday at 9.30 in the morning. Who is watching that? No one. Mm. No one's watching that. And it annoys me because sometimes I want to sit down at night and I'd like to watch a game that was played at 9.30 in the morning instead. Uh, and that frustrates me a bit more more than not being on the primary channel because I think it's gotten to the point now where it can draw viewers and you should challenge it to draw viewers. It's starting to get to that Point. I but don't you think if Seven are going to kick and scream about how they got this bad deal, if you've got this great product, then show it on your main channel and really milk it. Because there the are still so many people. Ego thing. No, but it's it's a reality thing as well. That in terms of the younger generation don't care, but there are still people, particularly the ones that skew older, who might never get above number ten on their um, on their um, digital TV. That they just watch Seven, Nine, and Ten on those things. They never go up to, to Seven, mate. Or because the lead-in show, which is always one of the things, that's why they want the 5.30 show ahead of the news to be a really good show because people lead in, whatever the lead-in show was before on Channel 7 would have had much higher ratings than the lead-in show on 7 Mate. All I'm just saying is that if you put it on Channel 7, you would grow the audience by, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000, something like that, and that, that could only be good for the game. 
Yeah, I see your point. I just don't, it doesn't bother me as much because to me, it's like great that the view, to me, it's great that the view, mm, viewers they found, were out, that many they people found, found it. it yeah. yeah, so I think it's almost a testament to how much it is, you know, reaching now. I think the standard is just getting better and better every single year. And the more you broadcast and the more you talk about the players, you know the players, the ones that aren't in the Australian team now. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for where it's going. And congratulations to Cricket Australia for not – when they easily in a really difficult year could have gone, okay, we are pausing this competition. Or we'll play a short version. Or we'll play a short version or we'll, you know, really half-ass it. They yep. didn't. And, you know, AFL didn't play their women's – competition and this is why cricket is kicking the other sports yeah, take that afl they, but, but cricket is your investment and starting a women's side like let's not beat around the bush starting a women's competition is costly and it doesn't pay dividends quickly but you are setting yourself up like cricket's been going at women's cricket for a very long time and they are starting to reap the rewards and in 20 years time they're going to be so far ahead of other sports absolutely all right, that is all the cricket headlines. We're going to take a break and then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. Jaleesa's is frantically Googling for the latest cricket news to make something <laughs> up at the go, last guys. minute. i got to go, guys. I'm um, busy. Just thank you to all the people that sent in messages throughout the week. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at AusCricketPod. That's A-U-S CricketPod. All right, back with Can't Let It Go. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menes. I'm with Paul and Jaleesa. And let's get into Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go of. So, Paul, do you want to open up with this one? Yeah, I was listening to Martin Tyler being interviewed by Howie on the um, Howie Games the other day. Martin Tyler, for those of you who don't know, is the voice of um, English football. And he was talking about the 1982 World Cup, which was his first big opportunity as a commentator. And that he had been assigned a game, it was Mexico against someone, I can't remember who, but he said back then there wasn't much footage available. And so in order to make sure that he knew the Mexican players, he saw that they were having a warm-up game in Germany. So he flew to Germany, really? watched the warm-up game, one of the players got a penalty and um, scored it, kicking it to the left. And afterwards, he went around the bus to sort of watch them getting in so he could familiarise himself with their faces. And he walked up to the penalty taker and sort of said in, in um, pidgin Spanish, do you always aim for the left? And the guy said, yes. Fast forward to the World Cup when the, him as a junior commentator is calling. Penalty, this guy gets to take it. And so to a national audience of people back in England, he could say, and he famously always kicks to the left, which he did, and scored a goal. And I think everyone watching it thought, God, this guy knows what he's talking about. Because as I said, back then there wasn't the preponderance of um, uh, information available. My question is... How many of the modern-day cricket commentators... Um, I was wondering how you are going to get this back to cricket. ...would be willing to put in that level of effort. Now, you don't need to fly to another country now because you can see things, um, you know, in many different other ways. But he is the best in the business, Martin Tyler, and he's the best in the business because he has absolutely all his facts straight. I still think there's a tendency in um, uh, some of the commentators to feel, feel as though, um, cool, I'll turn up, I'll show up, but... A, if they weren't being paid to watch it, they wouldn't be watching a single ball of it. And B, geez, there's a strange player. I haven't heard this guy's name. Let's have a giggle at his strange name because they haven't done the hard yards that Martin Tyler did. I think he's a, an example that they could all follow. Yeah, very good example, Paul. And uh, just to another sort of um, relationship there to cricket, Martin Tyler was a, an average cricketer, played for sort of Surrey, second 11s, he was saying as a kid, but his flatmate was Bob Willis, mm. the late Bob Willis. And um, was it Jeff Howarth was also Correct. his flatmate? Yep. Um, Martin Tyler has quite a close connection with cricket. All right. Aguero! Wild. Wild. <laughs> um, Jaleesa. Uh, yes. What did you manage to find in the last minute? Oh, no. No, Menace, please. <laughs> My mistakes of last week will not be happening again. I found you three. Okay, good. I've, I've got three can't let it go, and you're going to keep all of them in. Yeah, okay, go. Okay, first of all, uh, this was in our Nine News Bulletin on Sunday, but also pointed out by one of our loyal listeners, Martin Lawrence, on Twitter. Lynn Sanity going off in the Queensland Premier 2020, smashing the Sunshine Coast bowling attack for 154 
off just 55 deliveries, four fours and 26s. So go Lynn Sanity. You need to be happy to be playing after not playing a competitive game for months. It was going off. And people would say, oh, it's just, you know, grade cricket. But that has to show he's back in some sort of form. You can't do that if you're completely out of form. I reckon that's really exciting. I heard um, Jimmy Pearson on the radio today saying Lynn hit a moving car at one stage. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I was commentating on a Premier Cricket game yesterday and there was a car's almost getting hit by, very close to being hit. So I can see Lynn Sanity doing it. All right, number two. Okay, number two. This is uh, not really a car let it go, but one to watch. Okay, yeah, we're just uh, making our own rules up. Oh, it's a yeah. new segment. <laughs> It's my segment. Um, <laughs> well, what about you? A few weeks ago, your cut that would go was, I'm just going to announce my five favourite English commentators. <laughs> uh, I did, really? I, I couldn't let that go. <laughs> God, how long have you been holding on to that? Someone asked, Jaleesa, wasn't out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, so Trevor Hones, oh, I think it was Trevor. Actually, no, I'll start the game. There was some thought uh, floating around that I think maybe came from Trevor Hones that David Warner would be asked who should well, he would be considered. Yes, yep, should, that's right. Who should partner him as an opener in the test? I'm just wondering what's going to happen now David Warner isn't there. And Ciappelli uh, interviewed Ian Chappell a few weeks ago. Ooh, name drop. <laughs> <laughs> about this, and, and he was really critical of it and pretty, felt as though well, it's not up to Warner to have to do that and was really scathing of that. And I just think, what's the excuse going to be now? You're going to... You know, you can't you can't rely on well. This is who what Warner, who Warner wanted. So yeah, I I'm, think I'd speak the two openers in the squad. What Warren said, Warren said in commentary, he said, "I wonder if they got no. the Joe Burns and ask who he wants to open with now." Oh, <laughs> really? Did he? I didn't hear that. How very funny! Now the last one is me being just picky. Can we please all get Australia? Elisa Healy's name right. It is not Elisa, and I am so sick of it. It is Elisa. It is not Jalisa. It is Jalisa, and it is not Elisa. <laughs> I thought it this might have had Elisa. a person. <laughs> no, so what just, do you get? I get Jalisa constantly. Jalisa yeah. constantly, which would have a double S. But, uh, yeah, everyone calls Jalisa. I just answer to it now. But it really annoys me that... Elisa gets Elisa because she's one of our best cricketers and I'm not, so I can cop it. I like it when she goes on the radio or something and it's like, oh, your dad was a great wicket keeper, wasn't he? She's like, oh, Ian Healy's my uncle, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so yes, uh, three can't let it go. Nailed all of them. Delisa, mm. well done. Thank you. I'm, I'm not doing none for three weeks now. Well, that's that's it. We'll just edit that out and put them in over the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got a few too. So first, oh, you're still oh. to go. Firstly, an amazing week of cricket. Uh, you touched on it, but it felt like a test match in Sydney. Wednesday night, first semi-final. Thursday night, second semi-final. Friday night, ODI. Saturday final. Sunday, another ODI. Five games of cricket, five days. That to me was... Bloody good. Bloody heaven. And the other two things. So uh, the barefoot circle that no one saw occurred on Friday. So the Australian cricketers um, did their tribute or their, I guess, um, you know, solidarity with the broader movement and the Indian players joined in, which is fantastic. But, you know, they did it when no one was there and no one saw it. So effectively they did nothing. Well, that's not their fault. I mean, every... One who's taken a knee has done it before the game as well. No, no, they? they did it like hours before. Oh. Like, they did yeah, it like 12 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Like, they were oh, doing okay. it yeah. just after training. It was just a nothing. You may, you may as well not do anything. And the other thing was um, Glenn Phillips, a New Zealand player. Now, you might have seen the footage of this. He made his test debut at the SCG earlier this year to give you some context. He made a 46-ball ton against the West Indies in a T20 game, but... Twice in two days, I think, twice in three days, he dislocated his knee while hitting a six. So you know, he hit the six the first time and just fell over. It was honestly like he'd been shot. You're just like, what's going on? And the trainer comes out, puts his knee back, goes off that game. But then the second, he scored 100 and did it in the 100, but he kept batting. Um, so, yeah, incredible stuff. Does he just Let, put it back in? Yeah, they just popped it back in and That's he kept going. Sick. I know. I, um, but he looked in so much pain. I know of someone who has had a dislocated knee every seven or eight years, and the pain and agony that it entails is 
absolutely next level. So for him to keep on batting, it, may, it might be different for the different people, but, geez, that's courageous. Yeah, and so he made a 46-ball time, which is the quickest by a Kiwi in T20 international cricket when you think of, you know, Baz McCullum and all those big hitters they've had. That's a phenomenal achievement. And so player to watch, Glenn Phillips. Yeah, and I guess that's it for Cricket Unfiltered this week. Jaleesa, thanks again for coming back. My pleasure. I'll leave you guys to your TikTok, you yep. kids. Paul, yeah, look, uh, look enjoy us up. Mitchell Stark opening the batting on Wednesday. <laughs> look us up on um, TikTok on Cricket Unfiltered. Men has been putting a lot of good ones up there. Um, so it's it's going well. Great. Well, listeners, uh, you've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, and we'll be back next week with another show. Sports Social Podcast Network.